0: Good morning to all of you. greet you this morning in the name of Christ. We sang a song, Peace, Perfect Peace, or the original wording was Shalom, Shalom. Um, When the word was repeated twice in a row, it meant to perfect the first word. Shalom, Shalom. And did you notice the chaos that was going on in the song? Not in the way he was leading it, but in the way that we were, the words that we were singing A dark world of sin, thronging duties pressed, all of us can relate, a future all unknown, death shadowing us and ours, Earth struggles. Uh, That's a whole lot of things to wade through and struggle through, but shalom, shalom, because Jesus is perfect peace. That's a, a very wonderful song and a comforting thought, I believe. Turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter three this morning. <clears throat> There's a a panic in the USA, and we call them liberals. People call them liberals, um, but understand the conservatives and liberals need to be saved. All right, it's nothing to do with. Sometimes I believe. Some of us would identify as Republican. Republicans need safe. Um, they're looking for an earthly kingdom. But citizenship is the, the scream, the, the drama of our day. What makes a citizen of the United States of America? If I can get across the border, right, the southern border, if I can somehow wiggle my way through and get across the southern border, I will be a citizen of the U.S.A., um, that 's what 's being promoted and pushed, right? Um, would that work for any country as long as you get in you 're a citizen. How would you become a citizen? Do you think it would be to become a citizen if you would say well no it 's not just if you just make it inside on their land, but maybe if I get to the embassy and say the right words, they 'll make me a citizen what What would make a citizen? Um, I believe everyone with a sound mind understands that to become a citizen of a kingdom or a country, any kingdom or country, there is a process to become a citizen. And also there's a process to remain a citizen. Are you with me? It's it's more than just saying, uh, I became a citizen of the USA. Well, that's great. But there's also requirements to remain a citizen of the USA. Now, contrary to... Many people's belief, if you commit a felony, you do not lose citizenship. Um, If you lose citizenship, it's over a drastic change of allegiance. Um, And so if someone would renounce their citizenship today, they would lose their citizenship today. If somebody would commit a felony, um, that does not instantly remove their citizenship. Um, I looked at the USA, how do you become a citizen in the U.S.? First of all, you obtain a green card, and that is only done through a family sponsorship or through an employee, employer sponsorship. So someone has to vouch for you. Um, Secondly, you need to satisfy the residency requirements. Um, You need to be admitted to the U.S. lawfully. That's the one that they're struggling with currently in the U.S., um, and you also have to be a continuous residence for five years. When those things are satisfied, you also need to meet the personal requirements and being eighteen years old. And you should speak, write, and read English. Now, that 's a little vague, right? Um, but you should because you do need to pass a test. You submit an application in six hundred and forty dollars. You are fingerprinted, photographed, and a signature. Um, And then you attend an interview with a naturalization officer. And then after these processes, six steps, the final step is if you pass that test, you swear an oath of allegiance. I hereby declare an oath, on oath, that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore been subject or been a subject or citizen. That I will support and defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear arms in behalf of the United States when required by law. That I will perform non-combatant services in the United, in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law. That I will perform work of national importance under civil civilian direction when required by law. They put a lot of required by laws to give room for conscientious objectors. But you're going to ha- be of service to your country is, is the commitment, is the oath. <clears throat> and that I take this obligation freely without many, any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. So help me God. A citizen. The citizenship can be. We can. There's anyone in the world can be naturalized as a U.S. citizen. Um, in the U.S., your citizenship can also be annulled if you commit a felony. It's not annulled. However, if you renounce your citizenship, it will be annulled. If you attempt to run for office in another country, your citizenship is annulled. If you join affinity with another country. Um, your citizenship is annulled. Or if you're dishonorably discharged from the army, your citizenship is annulled. If you were somebody who was in the army and you performed acts that you, they sat down and they said, you know, this doesn't work. He's not fighting for the right side. He needs to be discharged. Um, You lose your citizenship, you will need to gain citizenship in another country. And that also is a law, and I believe every country You can't be dishonorably discharged and keep your citizenship. That is a grieving error when you're representing your country and you're not fighting as you ought. Now similar, there are procedures to be taken before a person can enter the kingdom of God. And I I want us to understand this is, this is so prevalent in our day. There's so many people who are, who are looking at this and saying, you know, it's not about what you do, right? It's about who you know. It's about how you enter. Are are you a citizen? Have you become a citizen? And it is absolutely essential that we become a citizen in the kingdom of God, but it's also absolutely essential that we understand there's requirements in the citizen, to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Cuz <clears throat> we get lackadaisical, I believe, in citizenship. We we don't and we as Non-resistant Anabaptists. I believe we don't quite understand being intentional and intense about representing the country that we represent. And that's not the United States. That's the Kingdom of God. I say that to read in Revelation chapter 3. We're talking about the Church of Sardis this morning. The Church of Sardis was part of the Roman Empire. It was the capital city of Lydia. And the Spirit was grieved with the people at Sardis. Um, Now, understand this before we read. They were Roman citizens. Now, a Roman citizen had incredible benefits. Even Paul appreciated his Roman citizenship. Uh, There was a lot of benefits. And to renounce or to be dishonorably discharged... Would have been the last thing on their list to do. They absolutely loved being a Roman citizen. And these are the people that he writes to, Revelation chapter 3, and starting at verse 1. Under the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. I know thy works. Thou hast the name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I come upon thee. Thou hast a few names in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You know, you look at the this place called Sardis. They were proud of being a Roman citizen. The worst thing that could happen to them, really, is if their name was blotted out, on their citizenship in Rome. They would have feared that greatly. And that's the very thing Jesus says. Look into the kingdom that you're part of in the kingdom of heaven. And what if I need to blot your name out in the kingdom of heaven? In in my book. <clears throat> this also is a city that two times the citadel or we would say uh, the fort... Um, the castle that was protecting this city, it was overthrown two times. And this was an incredibly fortified place, uh, the citadel was. The way it was overthrown was two times the sentries or the guards fell asleep. And because they fell asleep, the other people came in and invaded and took over and conquered. Two times they fell asleep. Now, I'm not trying to infer that we're falling asleep here and it, it, it's more than, uh, getting sleepy after a hard day's work and we're coming and we're sitting down or after a hard week's work and we're sitting down and relaxing. This sleepiness was a, was a spiritual sleepiness that he's addressing. It's being, you're, you're not being careful anymore. You're, you're not being watchful. You're not being alert at the spiritual life that you've embraced. <clears throat> I find it interesting that he refers to that. Therefore thou shalt, in verse 3, thou, thou shalt not watch. I will come on thee as a thief, and they shall not know what hour I will come upon thee. That's the very city that was taken over because of that in a physical sense. And Jesus is comparing it to the spiritual as well. <clears throat> I believe here Jesus is comparing citizenship in the heavenly country to citizenship in an earthly country. He says here, he told the church it's time to repent, it's time to overcome, and if you overcome, you will be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Now, I was studying the book of life uh, this week, and as I understand it, the book of life is literally the citizenship book of heaven. If your name is in the book of life, you are a citizen of that country. There are people who are not going to be citizens of that country and their names either were never written in or they will be blotted out because of annulment. But as you study the book of life, it's literally a citizenship book of heaven. <clears throat> Turn to Revelation chapter 5. Uh, if you remember one of the ways United States citizenship is if you renounce... Your citizenship, your name will be blotted out. Um, Jesus also said, He that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Um, and I also look at the situation where people came to the judgment and they and Jesus tells them, I never knew you. Now, how do you wrap your mind around the fact that Jesus created all people? He knows how many hairs on their head and then at the judgment he says, But I never knew you. He created them. Um, it's literally talking of a citizenship perspective. That name is blotted out, that name is not there. And so it is when they when the citizenship is disannulled because of uh what is it? Uh when they're rejected by the army or and they are what's it called? I said it earlier. Sorry, But when they're dishonorably discharged, that's what it is. If they're discharged, they come and they have the ceremony and they literally are, we don't know you. Now they know them, but there is a line drawn. You don't belong here. We don't know you. Literally what happens at the end of time. It's not that Jesus doesn't know how many hair are on their head, but because of dishonorable discharge... There is a statement of citizenship, we don't know you. In Revelation 5, it talks about Jesus when he opens the book of life, when he receives this citizenship book. And looking at Revelation 5, some of these things are beyond my comprehension by a long shot. But there are challenges that we need to look at in Revelation for the church today. Am I a citizen? in the Lord's kingdom. And what cost was it that Jesus Christ took and opened up this book of life? Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. What is this book? And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book, to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. One of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a Lamb, as it had been slain having seven horns, that speaking of perfect power, and seven eyes, perfect perception, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamp, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Now you look at this picture in heaven and there's a lot of weeping. Can you imagine if, if these hundreds or thousands of people and you look at them and the joys of heaven and here they all, they're all sobbing. They're all crying. It makes, when somebody's sobbing and crying, it's especially for the men, what do I do? Right? Um, lady, if you want to confuse your husband, just start crying. He'll wonder, next, what can I do? They're all crying, because no one is worthy to open the book. But then, the Lamb steps forward, and it says, as it had just been slain. So it points to a timeline. As Jesus finished that work on the cross, He was the Lamb slain, He redeemed us to God, and now he has the right to go and receive that book of life. He has the right to go and receive that book that no one up to this point had any right to open in the book of life. And as he opens the seals on the book, there's incredible events that take place in the spiritual world as well as in the physical world. There's seals, there's trumpets, there's woes, there's vials. It's incredible as you look at it. Those things are actually explained all the way over to about Revelation 20. It's talking about the the events that happen when the Lamb has taken the book and what's happening because He has the right to open the book. All the things that are taking place. And there's a whole lot of things that I don't have any clue. Did they happen back then? Do they happen now? Are they going to happen in the future? I really don't know. But the good news this morning is he has opened the book, and he has the book of life. Um, if you look into Revelation uh, chapter twenty, I believe, sorry, chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-seven, it says, "There is shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, speaking of heaven, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life." So the Lamb has the book, and it is the book of life. And there is no one who's going to enter that's not written in that book. Absolutely no one. <clears throat> Why is it? Because this is a citizenship book. This is a book that if your name is there, you're a citizen of that heavenly country. <clears throat> now I want to look at a couple of these things. Of uh, Turn to Revelation chapter 17. How do we get our name in the book of life? How does our name remain in the book of life? There's no question in Scripture that it lays out a plan for us and our names to be in the book of life. There's no question in Scripture that our names can be blotted out of the book of life. There are requirements that are required for the citizenship in heaven. <clears throat> Revelation seventeen seven, And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast which thou sawest and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go unto perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is i got a question for you. How many of you think this sounds like predestination? Anybody? Notice what it says. All they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. What's it saying? Now, we can look at that scripture and we can say, well, what do I want it to say? Let's go with that, right? Let's start there first, and then we'll get to where we want to be. But what is it literally saying? Um, does that mean at the beginning of time, God has opened a book, and He looked at us even before we were born, and saying, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're in, you're out. Before we had one act, uh, long before we were even born. I'll pick that one. I'll pick that one. I don't want that one. Um, Here's a fact. Is it saying that the names were recorded at the foundation of the world? Or is it saying that book that was present and real at the foundation of the world? Um, If you look back, you will see this book recorded in Exodus. Um, Moses saying, Lord, if You will not forgive this people, blot me, I pray Thee, out of the book which Thou hast written. Moses is referring to this exact book. Um, you look in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, and he's speaking of the end times, and he says, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince which standeth before the children of a people, And there shall be in the time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time and at that time thy people shall be delivered and every one that shall be found written in the book. So Moses knew of this book and Daniel knew of this book. Um, My understanding as I look at this it's not speaking of names that were written at the foundation but it's speaking of the book that was real at the foundation of the world. Else... We can't have John 3.16. We can't have, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say, for God so loved the names written in the book of life, and only those names that were preordained before the foundation of the world. He loved those and gave His Son for them. It says, God so loved the world, the very people, us who rejected Him, Gentiles, the no-goods. He sent His Son to redeem us, to be citizens of this heavenly country. That whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't say those who were destined to perish, they're going to perish. It says those who were destined to perish. Alright, those who were not, shouldn't be in the book. Because of Jesus Christ, they can be in the book. They can become citizens of heaven. Second Peter 3-9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I believe it's good to understand initially and importantly, our names are not just a given. From the foundation of the world, your name is, you're either in or you're gonna be out. It is by choice when we choose Jesus Christ, we can be part of a citizenship in heaven. <clears throat> How do we become written in the book of life? That book of life that was from the foundation of the world, right from Adam and Eve. How do we get our names written in the book of life? If we say the right prayer, right? And accept Jesus in our hearts. We are inundated in the evangelical circles that says what you do doesn't matter. Okay, Your works can't save you. They'll never make you a citizen. Then what does matter? Does your words matter? If your actions don't matter, is it just all in your words? Like if you say the right words, you'll be a citizen? Um, There's a sobering passage in Matthew 21. You don't need to turn there. Jesus is addressing chief priests and elders. And he talks to them about people who are in the kingdom and out of the kingdom. He says, What think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he went, he came to the first and he said, Son, go work in my vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he repented and he went. And he came to the second and the son and said likewise. And he answered and said, I will go. But he didn't go. Whether the twain did the will of the Father, that one's pretty obvious. But then Jesus says something that's absolutely astounding. He says, Verily or truly I say to you, the harlots and the publicans are going to be a citizen of the heavenly country before you will. That's astounding. These are disciplined people These are people who who their whole life is about kingdom, right? They want to be the in crowd. And these are the out crowd. Uh, They lived a separated life. Was Jesus saying, it's not about what you do? It's just about knowing Jesus and having a right theology? He was actually saying the opposite. He was saying, being a citizen in my kingdom requires absolute surrender and doing the will of the Father. It's not just about saying the right words. Someone could have told the Son, you know, there's nothing you can do to deserve to be part of the kingdom of God. There's nothing you can do to be a citizen. And you know what? There's an aspect of that that's absolutely true. There's no one knocking on the door that says, you know, I deserve to be a citizen here. Because I have worked so hard, and look at all the things that I've done. Nobody's going to ever get in that way. It's only by the sponsorship, as you would say in the U.S., by Jesus Christ who has paid the debt that we can be a citizen of that heavenly country. There's no one that can say, I belong here, and you, sh- you really deserve me here. Someone should have told the Son, it's more than what you say. It's more than what you say that makes you a citizen, that makes you a son. Someone should have told the son, there are things if you fail to do, you will not be an overcomer and receive the reward, even if you have all the right words down pat. I would like to call us back to understanding the importance of being written in the Lamb's book of life. And the privilege that it is to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. <clears throat> I believe the testimony of ourselves and in modern circles, the teaching on how we enter the Lamb, the Lamb's Book of Life, has changed from the New Testament. I believe for ourselves, we don't consider it the privilege that it really, really is. We we're born in a good home. Uh, You do the right things. You know how to act. You know how to smell. You know how to do the right things and say the right things. And you don't understand you have no right to be a citizen in a heavenly country because we are of the human kind. We are of a fallen race. We don't understand the privilege. And because we don't understand the privilege, we're not reaching out to try to help them who are perishing that are not citizens and trying to call them into Hey, you can be a citizen of a heavenly country. Because we lost sight of the privilege it is to be a citizen. I believe that's our struggle. One of our struggles. But then also, how do we get our names written in the book of life? In the book of Acts, right at Pentecost, um, Peter stood up and preached a message. And the people said, what shall we do? Okay, we want to be part of us. We want to be a citizen in that country. What?" Shall we do? Peter had four things. Repent, be baptized, receive the remission of sins, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those four, that's a four part step to citizenship. Repent, be baptized, receive the remission of sins, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent means Peter was telling them clearly, look, you want to be a citizen, you need to change direction in life. You need to be baptized. You need to make your allegiance before all. It's it's publicly renouncing the flesh, the world, and the devil. That's what baptism is about. My allegiance is with Jesus Christ. So, it's about citizenship. To receive the remission of sins. Like I said last Sunday, we don't hear a lot about restitution. We need to hear more about restitution. About more than just saying, you know... Let's just forget about that. I'm sorry. Now it's under the rug and under the blood and let's just put it behind us. Friends, we need to be real about restitution. I'm gonna make that right. I'm gonna go back and confess. I'm gonna get that right. We need to get real about restitution. Our families pay a high price. Our churches pay a high price. We all pay a high price when we think, no, it's under the blood, it's under the rug, let's just put it behind us and go. Friends, there is restitution and it's preached right here. You want your name in the book of life? It is repentance. It is baptism. It is saying, Jesus is my Lord. I'm renouncing everything behind. And it is restitution. It is the remission of sins. It's confessing our faults one to another that we can be healed. That's restitution. And then to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit... Uh, the Holy Spirit will never fill somebody who's already full of themselves. We, we get trash in our lives, and, and some of it's respectable trash, and some of it's despicable trash. We have respectable trash. We think, well, you know, it's it's you can't prove it's wrong. Can you be filled with the Spirit while you're enacting those things? Are you filled with the Spirit? Th- these are things that He is looking for in His citizens. Woe to us if we give the idea that someone's name is in the book of life. Even if they hold back and say, you know, I'm going to confess Jesus. I'm going to repent. I'm not going to humble myself and, and restitute because of my sins. I'm not going to empty myself of me so I can be filled with the Spirit. Because I have a way that I think it's, it's acceptable. Woe to us if we're settling for halfway. To be a citizen of the heavenly, we must understand there's a citizenship requirement. There's no one here who would agree with the thought of, you know, as long as you can get across the Mexican border and into the U.S., you should be a citizen. That should just do it. And there's also no one here who would say, You know, as long as you can get past this, Jesus come into my heart, I want to be a Christian. As long as you get past that line, you're a citizen forever and always. It's more than just crossing a border. Citizenship, there's requirements to get in. There's requirements to maintain. And understand this fact. It, it's not about if you create, if you commit a felony, you're thrown out, right? No more you are a citizen of the heavenly. I believe Jesus also has, like we would in our country, a citizenship record of what we have done. But it's not just based on, hey, one felony and you're out. It's not just based on two felonies and you're out. It's as a citizen, we are here and we are willing to repent. We're willing to be restituted, we're willing to be filled with the Spirit because we're a citizen of the heavenly. The book of 1 John was also written because of this very fact. There were many people who were claiming to be citizens of the heavenly country, but their lives were a sham. Now, they probably had the right answers for how everybody else should live. That's what the elders... And that's what the Pharisees, they had the answers how everybody else should live, but as Jesus looked at them and their hearts and how they should act and how, how, how they should react or how they should respond, they were, hey, now wait a minute, we don't need help. Because they weren't citizens of the heavenly. The book of 1 John lays out how, what you need to enter into the kingdom of God as a citizen. It is to have Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. There's no one who is written on the book of life who does not know Jesus Christ the Lamb. But it also says, he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. Um, citizenship requirement. If we say, hey, I'm a citizen of Jesus Christ's kingdom, but we don't keep his commandments. He says, you're a liar. There's no way you're a citizen. And then he says another one. We know we have passed from death. Okay, Here's the side over here. The perishing. We know we've passed from this side that's perishing to this side that is life. We are in the book of life. We know that that has happened when we love the brethren. Wow. We know we've passed from there to here. When we love the brotherhood, well, you know, for all of us, like Rupert said, there's some people that just get under our skin, right? And if they would fix that, I'd be a, a citizen. I'd love the brotherhood. But until they fix that, hey, you can forget it. Well, I'll put up with it, but frustrating? You know how many people live like that? And there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing we can say. There's nothing we can change to make that change. The bottom line is, I don't love the brotherhood. That's the bottom line. If that isn't there, there's nothing that brotherhood can do different to make something different happen. But if you get this right, for I love the brotherhood, you realize there's mistakes there's shortcomings. There's people who fail, like me. But if there's a love for the brotherhood, there, hey, we're beyond that. We, we want each other. We need each other. That's a sign that you've gone from a citizens of the country that's going to perish to a citizen of eternal life. We know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. <clears throat> You know, as I was studying this, I don't know what it does for you, but I was glad that the Lord in His mercy put the Democrats in the right argument of who is a citizen, who is not a citizen. Uh, it helps us as a church, as, as we look at some of these ridiculous arguments, and we realize, you know what, the church is making this same argument. And the Democrats now make it, and it's, well, this is ridiculous. And yet it points back to what are we saying? It sounds like the teachings that is pervading so-called Christianity. Revelation wants us to be sure of a couple things. Revelation wants us to be, rather than saying, you know, I don't understand it, it wants to draw us in to understand, look at the beauty of the heavenlies and understand one thing, make sure your name is written. In the book of life. And make sure you hold it as priority. My name. I am going to be an overcomer that my name is not blotted out. Make sure that is a priority. It's so easy to be lackadaisical. As we, as we get complacent, we stop holding our king as we ought in honor in doing his will. Let's be a people who willingly, our citizens and joyfully our citizens and take that privilege to those around us. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Actually, let's kneel for prayer. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for the privilege we have of citizenship. Lord, we can't enter by some great works that we have done. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that has made that way. That we don't have to be in the realm of the perishing, we can look forward to that day as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. I pray, Lord, for each soul here. I pray, Lord, that they would truly desire and long to be a citizen if they're not. And help us, Lord, as Your people to be citizens who You don't look at and say, do I need to blot their name out of the book of life? Help us, Lord, to be a people that represent our King well, And that truly exalt Jesus Christ, for He is worthy. In whose name we pray, Amen.